Welcome to Out of the Ordinary, the show that helps you grow a daily life that matters. I'm Lisa Jo Baker. And I'm Christy Purifoy. And this week, we welcome a few guests to our conversation table. That's right. First of all, you, dear listeners, yep, believe it or not. And then also, Lisa Jo, your dad. I know, Dad, if you're listening, you didn't know what your (laughs) message was going to do or how it would impact our conversation this week. Guys, five years in and really these conversations have become like a spiritual discipline that constantly reorients my life and I'm so grateful, but I'm always surprised by it. And somehow knowing though that so many of you out there are having a similar experience is never not deeply encouraging. So today's conversation with a footnote from my dad. (laughs) Well, it's more than a footnote, I guess. It's kind of the lead song. Uh, He took the solo today. We're excited for it. So get comfy, friends. Here we go. Today, I'm so happy because while usually it's just Christy and I chatting, we have an idea that you're out there listening. Um, But some days that idea is confirmed in writing. That's just so nice since we are writers and verbal affirmation is one of my love languages. And uh, Christy and I were chatting this morning as we were thinking through the conversation for today and wondering, would it resonate? Are we just talking about the same thing over and over (laughs) again? (laughs) Is this helpful? internet black hole and then i said wait wait i think i could find the answer to that question and we pulled up our reviews on itunes and it was just a delight because there are a whole bunch of voices there and now it suddenly feels like we're not sitting at the table alone it feels like there's a whole lot of you over there and we're just so happy to have you in the conversation we are and i'm just realizing this um particular comment slash review um response let's call it was just offered up a couple days ago. So I don't know her real name, which is fine, but I sort of love the little handle (laughs) that's here, which is Care Bear. (laughs) And I had a Care Bear growing up. I loved my Care Bear. Me too. So anyway, Care Bear left this long comment just a couple days ago. And I, oh my goodness, it's exactly, I feel like, responding or giving us what we were asking when we opened up these reviews on Chartable. Because, Lisa, you're right, I had said, okay, I, I like where we're headed, let's talk about this, but do you think it's just me and you? Like, maybe this isn't where our listeners are, I don't know. And um, And so, I'm reading this comment and realizing it may not be where our listeners are, but here, Care Bear has reminded me that when we share our hearts, um, when we have honest conversation, we find points of connection and we hear, you know, God can speak to us and can speak encouragement, even if our circumstances are very different. So, Care Bear says, <laughs> I'm going to laugh every time because I love the Care Bear so much, but Care Bear titled her review, Content With My Field. She says, I'm so grateful for this podcast. I listen weekly. I love how sweetly you let us into your friendship and lives. And she said, I was especially touched this week. So we were talking about planting seeds and trees. And she had this thought like, oh, I would love to have a garden. And let me just pause to say, how common is that, right? When so often when other people share their experiences, I know my first response response internally is, oh, I would love that. Wouldn't that be nice, right? Um, and then there can be some like, you know, discomfort or maybe discontent or just a question like, am I 
living how I'm meant to live? You know, all the questions that can get stirred up. So she said she kind of had that response like, oh, I would love to plant a beautiful garden, but, you know, right now I don't have the time. I don't have the resources for that. But then she said that the Spirit spoke to my heart so gently and said, you have a different field and a different harvest. And then she goes on to share more of our conversation and how that really confirmed what she'd heard about the different field that she has and the different harvest that she has. Um, And she says at the end, so thank you, thank you for the way you share and bring things so sweetly back to the Lord. God used your words to heal some discontent in me, praying you both feel encouraged and motivated to keep on serving us. So I just want to say, yes, I feel encouraged, and yes, I feel more motivated, and I'm so, so grateful. Um, so as we you know, dive into a new conversation, Lisa Joe, it's on the one hand, I'm aware that you know, you and I just have our own lives, our own perspec- perspectives to share, and I don't know where all our listeners are. I don't know if the things that we share about honestly are going to... Um, if they're going to relate or if their lives look very different. And I think especially today, I have some questions about how I'm living (laughs) and whether other people experience this or if this is somehow a unique tornado of life that I have created. (laughs) 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 But I feel encouraged having read this comment from Care Bear um, that, okay, you know what? We can just have the conversation. We can ask the questions. And it isn't my job to know or figure out um, exactly how this might speak to our listeners, but that there is a grace at work here helping us make connections with one another to better understand our own lives. So, yes, I feel encouraged. And I think I feel um, more yeah, more motivated to have this conversation, even though I still have this question of, is it just me or do others experience this? I love, though, how our conversation allowed God to show Care Bear that she has planted seeds because she shared about she and her husband are church planters, they're pastors, they've planted a church and how that is this huge crop that the Lord has planted through them. And I'm so grateful that the Holy Spirit is also on the other end of these conversations, uh, helping people move from what we share about our lives to actually identifying something in their own lives, because that's the most important for us. We're not here to just tell you about us. We're, we're here to offer you a way to see, to see your own life differently and um, how to live an ordinary life that matters. You know, we want you to feel that way about your life too. So I'm going to do like, I think the kids used to call it in school like a little popcorn answers where you just share like a few things from a bunch of different people in the reviews because I just love the idea that we aren't sitting here at the table alone. So there's a review from Sunchick33 and she actually titled it A Seat at the Table. That makes me so happy. But I love that she says that she listens to these from the cocoon of my car. I feel like I'm sitting down at the table with two treasured friends. I love that. Yes, we're in your car traveling with you. That's so great. And then there's one from Stranges, Strangers. She titled it Bats, Bakes, and Buildings. I love listening in on the weekly conversation between these friends. They make me laugh. Oh, my, the rabies and the baking is science stories. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. The rabies. Uh, uh, there's, and then there's a comment from New Zealand that makes me so happy. It's from DJ. And uh, she says she's been listening to the show for about three years, which is so cool. Hi, we're so thrilled you're listening from New Zealand. 
And she says that she finds solace in what we share, even though it's a thousands of miles away. And then she shared how this summer they had two cyclones and a major flood. I'm really sorry about that. And that she's, she says, we're feeling a bit beat up already this year. And I think that is almost the exact feeling Christy and I had sitting here this morning, wondering if what we were share would be helpful to anybody. And it's just great to read this because she says, what a great reminder our episode called Tiny Happy Things had been about the little things that bring joy, like family and church and garden. And then she says, and, and I'm sorry, but also coffee. <laughs> because Yvette <laughs> from New Zealand, she left her name, knows I am counting. I've been counting down all through Lent to get to reunited with my coffee. So it was a long 40 days, Yvette. It really, really was. <laughs> glad we have moved through it. <laughs> um, and I guess the last one I'll read here is somebody who just um, had talked about this idea about she talked about our show called Own the Disaster. She said, I listened to Own the Disaster while I walked today and I laughed and I teared up. And this is the part that matters to us. She said, I felt understood and I felt convicted and I wished we could have had this conversation face to face. So I know we're not face to face today, but maybe we're ear to ear. We're so glad to have you all around the table with us. Thank you for taking the time to leave reviews. You should really know it's a bomb to our weary souls to go and read those and just realize, oh, there are people listening. And it's really easy if you've never done it. You can just go whatever app you're listening in. There's, there's usually a little button that has like the stars. And so you can leave stars and then it'll usually have a little box that pops up for you to put a comment in. So just know your friends on this side of the table are really grateful to receive those kind, kind words. We are. And sometimes if people ask me about leaving the review and then I, I go back, I, we discuss and I realize that they may be listening from our website, which is great. That's why we have a website to make it super easy. You can't leave reviews on our website. So the reviews we're talking about, like you just said, Lisa Joe, are left on um, podcast apps, you know, like on iTunes and so on to help others find the podcast. But if you are listening on our website, welcome. <laughs> that is great too. <laughs> <laughs> we're so glad to have you. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this conversation does, part of our concern is, have we been having this conversation for a year where all we do is talk about how tired and overwhelmed and uninspired we are? Because I just, it's like a finish line I cannot get to. I just keep yes. telling Peter, if I can make it through January, if I can make yes. it through February, if I make it through March, and now we're in April. And I am still like, wait, where's the finish line? Where is mm -hmm. it? Yes. And I feel like a whiny child who's tired and overwhelmed. And uh, and so Christy and I were both sat down this morning and we're like, huh, is this going to be helpful to anybody or other <laughs> people? Like, dude, ladies, get a handle on your right. business, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I wonder because I feel like I'm on a hamster wheel and I can't tell if it's a hamster wheel that I have made, that I have right in foolishness set up for myself and just hopped right on? Or if this is life, is this life for our age, you know, with, I, I, I don't, I don't know, with jobs and kids and teenagers and I, is that it? I, I don't know. And maybe we won't exactly figure that out today, but I hope at least we will talk through what do you do? What do you do if you're overwhelmed? What do you do if you feel like the, the finish line towards rest keeps being postponed, keeps being moved? And honestly, Lisa Joe, I feel like the only 
so it's like two sides of the coin for me these this past, I don't know, six months or so has been that I keep getting sick and yet getting sick is the only way I ever get to rest. <laughs> so part of me is like, darn, I keep getting sick. And then I'm like, but hey, that's the only way I got to like cancel some things and stay in bed. So maybe it's not all bad. I don't know. But I feel like that's not a life plan. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, that's not a great life plan, Christy. <laughs> we do not endorse the get sick to rest life plan at all. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, so here's what I thought we might do today. Uh, we thought we might divide this episode into three parts because sometimes you have to tackle these things in a more pragmatic way. And um, I yesterday, I, so part of this is I have been missing phone calls with my father because A, we're on different time zones. So he's seven hours ahead of me. And so when he's getting done his workday and is ready to connect, I'm literally in the thick of my workday. So I have lots of meetings and calls and I'm unable to talk to him. And so I see his messages coming in and I'm like, oh, I missed him again. But then when I am free to talk to him, it's like one in the morning his time. So we can't connect then either. So we've missed each other a lot. And he, I woke up yesterday morning and there was like a 13 minute voice message from him. And that's pretty unusual. He doesn't, he's not like a big voice texting guy. And um, I was like, oh, how interesting. What does dad have to say to me? And it had been, as usual, a very busy day. I felt tired and overwhelmed. But because I had this 13 minute message I wanted to listen to, I took an actual lunch break. So I heated up leftover pasta. I sat outside in the sun. I played my dad's message. It felt like we were having lunch together. It was wonderful. And uh, after I listened to his message, I then left a long response to him sharing a lot of this, this overwhelm. But at the same time, and I think you're having the same experience excitement. Like, mm -hmm. Christy, you just had a book come into the mm -hmm. world. It's mm -hmm. a book that brings together your two great loves, writing and gardening. And I know how much work it is. And yet, how amazing. Not only is it a book you love, it is the conclusion to a trilogy of gardening books. That's is that right? No, that's <laughs> well. Not. So the, this is the problem. The, I have completed the trilogy, so the yes. work is done. Even if the third one hasn't come out yet, so you're right. I think that's part of the overwhelm. You had a book coming yes. to the world, <laughs> the second in the trilogy, while finishing writing the third in the yep, trilogy. There yep. are reasons you are tired and sick. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but but so good work. That is accompanied by overwhelm. I was expressing a lot of that to my dad in my long message back to him. And uh, he, some of the context, he's been a family doctor his whole life. He's worked crazy hours. He's delivered babies. He's been out and about and, you know, running 100 miles an hour for as long as I can remember. He's in his 70s and they have four adopted kids who are teenagers now and some in their 20s. So his life looks a lot like mine. <laughs> and so I figured he knows, like he knows what this feels like. He came back with a beautiful text message to me with three different things. And I thought it'd be fun to use those as the basis of this conversation yeah. today. So I will begin with the first one. This is how he started. Now, a listener, if you're having a week of overwhelm, I offer you, I loan you my father. You can just listen to these words and receive them as like a heavenly father talking to you, you know, with a beautiful British South African accent um, and encouraging you in your hamster wheel to you. This is what he writes. I have just listened to your message. And then this is not what I expected him to say after I had gone on and on about how I'm traveling and there's so much going on and I can't catch up. He goes, what fun, what marvelous, fantastic, 
fun. You know, God created us for significance and you are finding that significance. It's draining on you. It's exhausting. You can't maintain it, I know, but rejoice in it. Don't ever feel sorry for yourself. Before the fall, when there was no sin in the world, God expected Adam to tend the garden. So work is wonderful. There are just three non-negotiables I want to mention. All right, so I'll pause there first before I begin the three things he says that we can talk about throughout this conversation as like fatherly advice. But just that alone, when I read that, something shifted in my soul And it was as if he was able to elevate, like we try to do on this show, the ordinary, the humdrum, the hamster wheel, to the sacred. Just that helped me catch my breath. That reminder that everything that feels overwhelming is actually part of the good in it is that it's God's call. It's God's commissioning. The work I am doing, the work you are doing, is absolutely in the spot of what God has created us to do. Mm -hmm. That's very good because I can find myself feeling resentful of not the work as a whole, but tasks associated with it um, because they f- they feel like things that are getting in between me and my rest, right? So another email comes or another ask or can you do this or an invitation um, and I can, then I need to respond or I need to think or I need to make a decision. You know, the, the things that in particular weigh heavily on me, um, I realize listening to your father's beautiful advice that I don't like I, I yeah i'm i'm looking at it all wrong i'm i'm seeing it as this like hurdle i have to run i i don't have to jump or this thing in my way or you know and so the resentment can can build even if it's not always directed at the person who asks there's still this sense of like ugh stop hey world stop needing things from me right <laughs> <laughs> yes yes and yet that. to like reframe that again and say wait 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 hold up all of this is a part of this work you do love, you do feel, um, I love that, you know, made for significance. There's significance here. It's it's your work. It's work only you can do. And yes, some of it is very tedious. <laughs> and some of it does mean that, you know, I have to sit at my computer a little longer before I can get out to my garden or whatever it is. Um, but it is all a part of this good, good work. And just to hold on to the goodness of it, um, I'm not saying I'm automatically going to be able to do that once we finished recording this conversation, but that's a good reset for me too. It's very helpful. Right. I, in my brain, always tell myself, it's not that I have to, it's that I get to. Mm, That's good. And those are very different things. And I think this is work that I remember when I started in this job, just how deliriously excited, like so much joy, like kid in a candy store. And so I have to remind myself, no, it's get to, like, this is a gift. You get to do this work. Like, there's a lot of it, but you get to, like, how wonderful that this is the work I get to do. So it was a good reminder for me that Adam and Eve in the garden were commissioned to do work. And I wonder if, you know, Adam was invited to name everything. That's a lot. Like, Mm. (laughs) you know, like, that's that's some overwhelming overwhelm there and i i wonder <laughs> Lisa often, i bet he was like wow the bugs keep coming they keep coming maybe maybe we're good now maybe we don't need any more insects maybe we don't need any more fish no, but they keep coming so true <laughs> i like i wonder what holy overwhelm feels like like i only know the version that's here post fall you know <laughs> where sin has entered in and i think all kinds of other things are wrapped up in our sense of overwhelm you know ego or opportunity mm-hmm. or 
you know, frustration or rage or, you know, there are many other things that aren't like sacred things. And I do wonder like what that is like, because there has to be a sense in which there is, there's overwhelm. And one of my favorite passages always is how Jesus in the middle of his disciples being so busy and the, the line actually says, because so many were coming and going, they had not even had time to eat. And I just have always related to that as a mom of littles. And now even in my life, it just feels like you never outgrow that. Like it's the coming and going doesn't stop. The change has to be you. And so Jesus, you know, because so many were coming and going that they hadn't had time to eat, he takes them away to a quiet place with himself in the middle of the overwhelm. And I guess maybe that's the smallest peak we get into what a response can look like, that there have to be ways we build that in. Like, how do we build in withdrawal moments where we withdraw because the work is good and holy, but also it can't, we can't allow it to consume us. So yeah. So then my dad goes into these three non-negotiables and I think it's really beautiful. And I'll, I'll start here actually at the end and just say what was lovely is he said, at the end of the three things, he said, I say these things to you because there are not many people who could, and I love you so much. And I think that's sort of how we are going to say them to you guys. You know, sometimes you need to be told the basics. And as grownups, there are fewer and fewer people telling us, reminding us of what's good for us, what we should be doing, the way we remind our kids. And it was just so lovely to have him do that and remind me with such gentleness. And they seem obvious, and yet they are essential. Number one, sleep at least seven to eight hours every evening. I suspect you're not doing this. <laughs> like he knows me so well. But it is deceptive because those long, long hours lead to a lower productivity than you thought you were achieving. And I always remember my friend Holly Girth saying that God's design for the human creature is highly unproductive yeah. that we like shut down for like eight to 10 hours <laughs> yeah. out of every 24. Yeah. Like something about our design is a reminder that the architect of who we are has not designed us to just work 24 seven. And it's, you know, I'm sure many of our listeners have heard as well that, you know, from scripture, we see days beginning in the evening, right? So starting in the creation story, um, there was day, right? It was evening and then it was morning. And so I, what we take from that is that the day actually begins. The work begins precisely when you and I go to sleep, <laughs> which I've tells me like it's God's work. Like let him, let him take it. Let him. Let him hold it. So here at the very beginning where you would feel like, okay, now, you know, ready, set, go. But what it looks like is ready, set, go to sleep and let God start the day because <laughs> he doesn't need you. I have never, <laughs> never thought of it that way. Oh, really? I've never. Oh, oh my yeah. gosh. I've never heard it taught that way. Yes. Yeah. And like I'm always like in a rush to wake up and get my day going. And God's like, already been handling already been it here. for the last 10 hours. <laughs> Ah. Hey, we're we're halfway through. You can come on in now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so you can good. mess up too much now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah. know. That shifted something in me. I think I'm really going to feel differently about going to sleep because I feel like, oh, I finally got everything done. I can go to bed. And God's like, welcome <laughs> to a new day. Go to sleep. Go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. 
Wow, that's a word. Yeah, Yeah, I know that I have detrimental habits because I like to find time alone Mm -hmm. and time when I'm not working, time when it's quiet. And so those time, I steal that time from the night. I steal it from my sleep hours. But the problem is the knock-on effect that it has. And so I become more and more tired and less and less productive and often more and more resentful that I'm tired and not Mm -hmm. productive. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so um, actually this year has been a lot better because I have been going to bed at a more reasonable hour. Or, And the problem is, I don't know if our listeners feel this way, my body wants to go to sleep, but my brain yeah. is annoyed that it hasn't <laughs> had a chance to do what it wants to do. Like it's done work for other people all day, but now it wants to read a book or watch a show. And I have learned that I can just like lie in bed and I'm almost like delirious with exhaustion, but my brain will still want to keep watching like another YouTube show or some like rewatching some 80s movie like, that <laughs> makes me feel good. So I have a trick that I try to trick my brain into getting tired too. I, there's nothing nothing earth shattering, but if I take a bath, I am so relaxed. Like, and in the bath, I can read part of a book. So Mm -hmm. my brain gets some of that. But what happens is the water gets cold. So there's like a limited time you can be in there. I know you can keep refilling. I've done that. But ultimately, (laughs) like, it's not fun to be in a bath for like binging three episodes, you know, like you're in the bath, you read a couple chapters. But when I get out, my body is so relaxed and my brain at this point now is so sleepy that I can walk directly to the bedroom, you know, even if it's like 8.30 or 9.30 and get in bed. And because I know I'm exhausted, I will shut down. So I almost have to find a way to trick my brain because if I allow it to sit on the sofa or get in bed with a book, that brain is going to push that body way past where it wants to go. So I have to ambush it and trick it into going to sleep. (laughs) That's fantastic. You know I love a good bath. So but I don't tend to take them right before sleeping. So why not? I should just try that because maybe it would work for me too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. When else would you take one? Like to me, that's like the shutdown. It's like the the ultimate power down switch. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you don't want to me to answer that question because I <laughs> take baths all the time. <laughs> oh, I like that. I think I'm behind that too. <laughs> <laughs> all the time actually like small little little note here um if you if you don't believe me when i say i love baths here is how much i love baths um so you know jonathan lived in this old farmhouse so it's old it didn't have bathrooms when it was first built which means that the bathrooms are tiny little things that have been carved out of closets and bedrooms and so on so um ours needed work maybe two years ago and so we um redid the two bathrooms that are on the second floor with the bedrooms, um, but they're so small, but I prize a good soak in the bath so much that when we redid our bathroom, we didn't even make room for the shower bath combo. We just put a big old tub in our bathroom. There's not room for both. So I, if there's not room for both, what do I choose? Bathtub. So we have a great bathtub and no shower. 
Well, I mean, you have a shower in your kids' bathroom that you can the go kids, and use. The kids have a shower and no bathtub. So that's how right. I that's how I negotiated is that, you know, we right. can't have both in each, but there is a bathtub somewhere and there is a shower somewhere. Although I should admit that I don't like to share my bathtub, Lisa Joe. So really. Oh, I wouldn't want to either. Yeah, I no think one really gets access to no, the bathtub. No, that's yours. Yeah. And then the shower, which you also paid for since you are the parent, you can use whenever <laughs> you want. I feel like that's not even, why is that even a conversation? <laughs> Yep, Duh. that's how it works at Shea Purifoy. <laughs> oh, that's great. Okay, so sleep is my dad's. And then number two, he says, get 20 to 30 minutes of exercise at least three times a week. Which, wow, the stating the obvious, I do remember like two years ago, you and I waxed lyrical about, I think we, I don't know, I maintained it for maybe six or eight months of the running. Like I ran every day, you walk a lot, I know. And then the problem is like, I can get, this is all counterintuitive. I understand that. So when I'm stressed about work, I want to just sit at my desk and work. I don't yeah. want to waste time running. Right, right. But when I run, I feel way less stressed. Yeah. So it's like yeah. ridiculous. So when I read this message from my dad, I was like, oh, that's, my back hurts so bad from sitting at this dumb desk and I'm always trapped here. And I went and like literally had to dig out of the bottom of our shoe <laughs> closet running shoes. I was like, do I have running shoes still? And uh, I and a part of why I had stopped running is that I did it for a long time, but I had such severe knee pain for so long that I could almost not stand. Like mm. getting in and out of cars was terrible, Ooh. but I just kept running and I got all these different braces and I tried all these different things. And I just assumed it's because I was unfit. And But like eight months in, I was like, dad, like when will this knee pain stop? It's so terrible. Like I feel like a crippled person, like getting out of bed is so bad, but I realized I just have to push through. And my father who's a doctor was like, wait, what did you? No, no, you need to stop running. What are you doing? <laughs> It's like if you're nearly 50 and you have that kind of severe knee pain, your body is telling you it can't handle the like hard pressure on your knees from running. He's like, now walking, a fast walk, you can get the same elevated heart rate and the same exercise without damaging your knees. Please switch to walking. <laughs> so um, yesterday I took a very long walk again through our neighborhood and was shocked to discover, shocked when I got back, how productive I was and how my body didn't hurt and I felt so good. Mm, that's fantastic. Yeah, I so you know, I love my walks. I like doing yoga as well just for the the stretching that I think is important, but oh my gosh, Lisa Joe, it is so as much as I do enjoy it, I want to make time for it. It just feels like there's no time. It feels like it, it, I, I'm always trying to fit everything in, but it it's like um what is the you know when you're trying to like put a lid on something and like a bit of whatever the box is just keeps popping out? So I feel like I'm trying to put a lid on my life that holds all the things, eating great food and exercising every day and whatever, 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 getting my work done, not letting my email turn into the disaster that it is, et cetera, et cetera. But every time I squish the lid down, something pops out. And so often it's exercise because, well, I just, I don't have time to go for the walk because... I have to tackle my email or whatever, but it feels like impossible to actually get everything tucked into the box. <laughs> I know. I know. And I feel like I wanted to say that back to my dad, but what I have learned from him. So he's a family practitioner, doctor. He has worked long hours seeing 
like 30 to 40 patients a day his entire life. And so he's behind a desk a lot. He's standing, seeing patients, but it's not like he has time to go and do CrossFit. Okay. Like that's not going to happen. But what's interesting about my dad is that his offices are on the 10th floor of the hospital where he works. And every day for like 30 decades, 30 years, three decades, he has walked up the stairs. For wow. So, and to challenge himself, he does two sta- steps at a time. <gasps> yes. And he can do it so fast. And he does every morning and every evening up and down. Like that's how he, wow. he never uses the elevator. And he says there are always ways to build exercise in. And he he also, I mean, it's annoying because he also runs. He's like in his 70s. He can do like five miles a day. But he had trouble with his back and his knees. And so he walks now. So he'll walk like three times a week three or four miles. Um, but I'm just saying like he, I guess it just reminded me like there are ways to work that in. I don't need to go and do some big dramatic walk or loop or run. There's a lovely little trail up to some goats at the top of our house, you know, of our neighborhood. And uh, that's kind of my 10 flights, you know, like I can just go up and back and forth in a lunch break and it doesn't, I don't have to change into like an entire workout gear to do it because dad's like literally doing it in his dress clothes. Right. He's like just on his way to work, carrying his briefcase, going up 10 flights of stairs. And he just insists that those kinds of things, that's how exercise becomes, you know, easy, easier to maintain. And now it's harder for us who sit and work in offices at home, Mm -hmm. but I know you're out in your garden a lot Mm -hmm. doing Mm -hmm. work there. You have stairs in your house. Our, um, so I guess I just was reminded like, how much better I feel in 20 to 30 minutes, three times a week is actually, I realized when he said it, like quite doable. Sometimes I feel like I'm so all or nothing. Like mm, if I can't go yeah. out there and run five miles hard, what's the point? You know, yeah, yeah. but it's the gentle rhythm of just something. Your body just needs something. Wow. That's good. Yeah. I, I don't think of myself as an all or nothing pe- person, but I, yet I think many of us kind of are, at least when it comes to, you know, we have high standards for things and um, exercise is one of them. And so, yeah, it's hard to, it's like, why bother? Why, you know, but to to remember that, hey, every little bit is better than nothing. That's, yeah, this is, uh, I'm, this is not how I thought this episode would go, just advice from your dad, but I am here for it. This is fantastic. <laughs> I want to like pause and call your dad up and just say, thank you. <laughs> Can we get him on the phone? No. <laughs> this is great. Let's keep oh going. Gosh. I'm loving this. He would love that. He's always talking about wanting to come to Maplehurst. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That would be such a dream come true. Please, oh, if you're listening, if you're listening, Lisa Joe's father. Dad, we want you. <laughs> All right. Here's the last one. I think it's really beautiful. Number three. Prayer is perhaps the most important of all. Like the morning and evening sacrifices that were made at the tabernacle and the temple for hundreds of years. And then he says, I say these things to you because there are not many people who could, and I love you so much. And I just thought, what a great reminder that prayer is like an incense. It's an offering that goes up before the Lord. I mean, there are many pictures in Scripture where it talks about receiving the prayers of the saints, like incense, like an offering coming up morning and evening. And I will say there's part of me that was like, oh, good, there's one thing I'm doing right. (laughs) I was like, I and I— it's not fancy for me. Like it is really just, hi, you know, God, 
here I am again this morning, you know, and some days I'm filled with joy and some days I'm filled with sorrow. Some days I'm tired. Some days I'm a whiny child, but I do feel like I am, I'm developing the muscle of reaching. I think of it as a reaching for him first thing in the morning, the way a kid, like, you know, when your kids are little and your toddlers want to run into the bed with you in the morning, (laughs) or they are always putting out a hand and you're kind of putting your hand back to hold their hand. That's how I think of it. Like in the mornings, it's a reaching for like, here I am hold my hand, please (laughs) walk with me today. Mm, I love that. Yeah, this is one like exercise that just has become more and more important to me as I've aged. (laughs) And I, I sense if I stay, you know, on a good path will just become more and more important. I like, like to think that maybe, you know, exercise may be the thing I just sort of figure out how to do little bits, how to fit it in, but that maybe ideally prayer would become the thing that somehow just crowds out more and more other things that it it takes up more room in, in life. I don't know exactly what that will look like, but to me that is um, just seems worth aiming for, worth living for. Um, and I've shared on the podcast before, but I'll just share it again. Like this is not, this is something I know is not for everyone, but it it probably is for some who are listening because it was true for me. Um, you know, I grew up in a Christian home and I grew up very much wonderfully being taught that it was important for every day for me to be trying to connect with God or letting God connect with me, however we think of it. And so we talked about quiet times a lot. And um, so it was very good that, you know, I was raised with this, with this. Um, message of, hey, it's not just going to church on Sundays, but, you know, how can you connect with God each day? Um, but I'll be honest, for many years that felt like a heavier burden than I think it needed to because it felt like, to me, every day I was sort of showing up and needing to reinvent the wheel, needing to figure out what to say, how to do it, you know, or what to read in my Bible. And it just felt so ad hoc. And it, I think I was... Um, I was taking on too much. So what it has looked like for me in more recent years is just um, is to use um, a, a guide. So for me, it's the Book of Common Prayer that just lays out read- scripture readings. You know, to read through the lectionary. You know, so I know, hey, other Christians are reading these same scriptures, and I don't have to figure it out every day. You know, for some Christians, it might look like finding a Bible reading plan or something. But for me, just having. You know, I'm not a super planning type of person, but somehow for prayer, just having something I can sort of fall into, even if I'm tired, even if I feel like I have no words, um, has helped so much. And so, I would recommend if you're like, I don't even know, like an I feel like a super easy way to begin is to find, you know, to access online or in a book of common prayer, what's called a Psalter, a, a the Psalms set up to pray every single day. So what that means is you'll have all the Psalms who in my copy of the Book of Common Prayer have all the Psalms, but they're divided up one through, I'm not looking at my copy. I can't remember. Is it one through 30, one through 31? It's probably one through 30, morning and evening. So you look at a Psalm and if it says 5M, that means on the fifth day of the month in the morning, pray through these three Psalms. It is so easy. And the Psalms were the prayer book of Jesus, right? So when we pray these things, we are we are praying the prayers Jesus prayed. And I want to say if they were good enough for Jesus, I think they're good enough for me. Um, and then, you know, you, you can just keep moving through the Psalter month after month. And so actually I had a 
a little conversation with the priest at our church recently, and he he read um, the Psalms for that day, that morning in the Psalter, and he asked if I had read them, but I was confused. And so the other thing I sometimes do is I just pray through the office in the Book of Common Prayer, which is a little different, has different scripture readings, etc. So I said, oh, wait, I read, you know, I prayed this morning, but I didn't read those Psalms. I read these. What did I get off, you know? And he said, oh, no, no, you were you were praying the office. I, and here are his exact words, he says, so he said, you follow the daily office schedule. I am happily lashed to the mast of the Anglican priest's obligation to pray through the whole Psalter each month. And so then I realized, oh, he was talking about, you know, the 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 daily Psalms. But I loved that phrase. I am happily lashed to the mast of the Anglican priest's obligation to pray through the whole Psalter each month. So the picture is a ship, right? With the the mast yes. of this, this oh obligation, this duty. Yes. He, as, as the Anglican priest, he has this duty to be pr- every yeah. day to be praying these Psalms month after month. And he's lashed himself to it by choice. So it is in that sense. He is not free to wander off praying other, you know, other things in the morning. He has lashed himself to this obligation, but it is a happy obligation. It is a life-giving obligation. And yeah, I was really struck by that. It was such a, it's such a beautiful image. And I thought, oh, I too want to just lash myself to this obligation for daily prayer, whatever it looks like. Um, You know, for me, I love the Book of Common Prayer and how it just organizes um, the scripture readings and the psalm prayers and so on. But it might be something else. But to just like tie yourself to that mast and let the ship carry you, right? Yeah. Christy, that's so good. I love it. Gosh, you've given me two like really life-changing images today, like that my day starts when I fall asleep and that prayer is a way of lashing ourselves to the mast of Christ. Like, mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'll add to it from this book I've mentioned a few times now on the podcast that I just really changing me. I ordered a copy for Peter now too, because I was like, you have to, we have to talk about this. So this is the book called Soul Keeping by John Ortberg that I had mentioned. And he really unpacks in this, it's sort of like uh, if Anakin Skywalker or Luke Skywalker wrote a book about like what Yoda had taught them. <laughs> like I feel like in the sense that like, you know, John Ortberg is a young upcoming at the time when he wrote this pastor and he was receiving all this wisdom from Dallas Willard. And I, I'm going to read a passage to it because I think part of what we're talking about here today, what I'm learning is that we're talking about our bodies and moving them and sleeping. And, but really when Christy and I talk about that there's something in us that realizes we are on a hamster wheel and that that's not good for us. I think the part of us that is having that experience is what Ortberg and Dallas would call our soul, that the soul of us is saying no. And in this book, he talks about, I've never in all my adult life really spent much time thinking about the soul, but he talks about how the soul is what is holds the wholeness of us. So our mind, our strength, our will, all of that is held together then with the soul. And the soul is the eternal part of us, the part of us that will exist beyond our bodies. The soul is the part of us that is the God-breathed part that knows it is made for something different than often what we feed it. So there's this great moment that I think speaks to part of what my dad has been saying and um, where 
John Ortberg, who's a pastor of a big church in Chicago, is experiencing this kind of overwhelm that Christy and I are talking about. And he's trying to figure it out. And he's frustrated and tired and annoyed. And he says, I began to form a new goal. I want to be as relaxed as I am on vacation while being as productive as I am at work. Wow. (laughs) Okay. Well, sure. That (laughs) would be great. great. (laughs) How does that happen? (laughs) Made me laugh. He says, um, there was only one place to learn about that. So I drove back to Box Canyon, which is where Dallas Willard lives, I guess, in this little rundown house in this canyon. It's so interesting. There's, there's nothing big or fancy about where he lives. And he says, I had a whole day to spend with Dallas. I told him that I felt frustrated because the people at the church I served were not changing more. <laughs> I asked him what I needed to do to help our church experience greater levels of spiritual growth. <laughs> Isn't that so great? It's like, come on, change more. I feel that way about my work. Like, be more productive. Be better at your job. Be excellent. Why can't I be better? There's a long pause, and then Dallas says, You must arrange your days so that you are experiencing deep contentment, joy, and confidence in your everyday life with God. And he's like, huh? No, no, I corrected him. I wasn't asking about me. I was asking about other people. I was wondering what I need to make the church do. I was thinking about a book everyone should read or a program everyone should go to or a prayer system everyone should commit to. Yes, Brother John, he said with great patience and care. I know you are thinking of those things, but that's not what they need most. The main thing you will give your congregation, just like the main thing you will give to God, is the person you become. If your soul is unhealthy, you can't help anybody. You don't send a doctor with pneumonia to care for patients with an immune disorder. I'm trying, I said. I learned long ago about the importance of having a quiet time when I read the Bible and I do daily devotions. I'm doing my best to start each day that way. I didn't say anything about having a quiet time, Dallas gently corrected. People in churches, including pastors, have been crushed with guilt over their failure at having a regular quiet time or daily devotions. And then, even when they do, they find it does not actually lead to a healthy soul. Your problem is not the first 15 minutes of the day. It's the next 23 hours and 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. You must arrange your days so that you are experiencing total contentment, joy, and confidence in your everyday life with God. But how could I have total contentment, joy, and confidence? My work isn't going nearly as nearly as well as I want it to. Lots of people are not happy with me. I am inadequate as a pastor, husband, and father. Every week I carry the burden of delivering a sermon and knowing that I'll have to feel the pain if it doesn't go well. To which Dallas responded, I didn't say you should you should experience total contentment, joy, and confidence in the remarkable adequacy of your competence or the amazingly successful circumstances of your life. It's total com- contentment, joy, and confidence in your everyday experience of God. This alone is what makes a soul healthy. This is not your wife's job or your elder's job or your children's job or your friend's job. It's your job. The total contentment, joy, and confidence in your everyday experience of God. Mm. I know that was a lot, but I think it's part of when I read my dad's message, there was something in my soul that was like, oh, it's the reminder that all the things I can feel overwhelmed by, I'm overwhelmed if I'm not inviting those things of seeing those things as living in the kingdom of God, the everyday contentment of ev- with 
with my everyday things because they are in the kingdom of God, because God is there. Um, it changes how I experience the world. And my soul recognizes that. And, and so I think small changes in direction to get my soul back on course require my body to change. I need to walk. I need to pray. I need to pause. I need to eat differently. I need to sleep. But all of that is because I'm trying to give my soul I'm trying to lash my soul. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to lash my soul to Christ. And and these are some of the ways we we maneuver in order to do that so that we experience not total contentment, joy, and confidence in my life or my job, but in my everyday experience of God. That's it. <laughs> that is it. And I love that. I think I thought Lisa Joe launching into this conversation that it would just be about packing, unpacking the overwhelm, trying to figure out why, why is this happening? And I love that that isn't actually where this conversation took us. This feels much more life-giving instead of doing, like getting in that thinking loop that I, that is endless of like, why is it this way? What do I do to make it more manageable? Instead, just stepping outside of it um, and focusing on these things, that feels that feels hopeful to me in a way that just continuously trying to unpack, like, okay, who made this hamster wheel? Am I supposed to be on it? What? Is, you know? <laughs> I feel like those are things I may never quite understand, right. but I right. hope and I sense that it will matter less if, if I am living out these other things, which it feels like that's what Dallas Willard was saying. Like, look, all that will still be there, but are you doing, you know, you know, first things first, are you, you know, living in this, in this way? That's what matters. Even if um, all the work stresses and life stresses are still there, that's really beautiful. And that's really hopeful. And that is much more hopeful than I thought. I thought I, that is just not where I thought we would end up. And I'm grateful. Thank you. Yeah, I'm grateful too. So dad, we look forward to seeing mm -hmm. you at Maplehurst. Yes. <laughs> Christy, I look forward to seeing you there more too. I think there's something about just being in the company of friends. Look, this wasn't even an hour conversation and already my soul feels like it's course corrected in a way that makes the rest of the day, um, makes me able to see, oh, I have access to the everyday mm -hmm. contentment and joy of being in the presence of God. Like, I don't, I still have my same to-do list. Um, but my soul feels like it's like, oh, but I understand better. Mm -hmm, like I'm mm -hmm. already in a place where I am safe and I'm holding onto the hand of the person who guides this ship. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be okay. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> mm.